Welcome to the Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. I first met Deborah Henson-Conant at the Somerset Folk Harp Festival, which takes place every July in Parsippany, New Jersey. And Deborah was a huge help in helping to get the festival online this year. DHC is a Grammy-nominated one-woman orchestra with electric harp, voice, and a looper pedal that she's layered sounds in real time and then weaves solo lines and vocals above it. Her signature instrument, which we will discuss in this interview is an 11 pound carbon fiber electric harp designed specifically for her by Chemic Harp Company in France and it's now one of the fastest selling new harp models in the world and it was named after her so it's a DHC model of Chemic Harp Um, and she has a whole talk about this Uh, she has a TED talk which I will link to in the show notes where she tells this really great story of, of uh, persistence and um, working in collaboration with, with the Chemic Harp Company. So if you are thinking of the harp as this very demure instrument, um, yeah, that's not, that's not Deborah at all. So <laughs> um, she is a showman. She's an entertainer. She's a solid musician who's been compared to musical greats from Leonard Bernstein to Elvis Presley, uh, her voice is compared to Carly Simon and, and Joan Baez. She plays Chuck Berry and Jimi Hendrix on the harp. Um, so she's even been compared to comedians Victor Borga and Eddie Izzard. I have had the pleasure of working with Deborah for the past uh, probably eight, nine years, I think, at the yeah. Somerset Folk Harp Festival, uh, which takes place every July in Parsippany, New Jersey. Um, and you're always a force to rec- be reckoned with and so much fun. And I'm so happy that you agreed to chat with me today. And so oh, cool. I always love chatting with you, but oh, it's thanks. usually backstage. That is true. That is true. <laughs> so um, why, don't we, why don't we start with, uh, with Somerset and how you yeah. got involved with that? Yeah, well, it's pretty exciting because you said, you said, well, it's in Parsippany, New York, except this year it is virtual. <clears throat> so... Um, Somerset Harp Festival is is one of the if not the largest harp festival in the world and it's it's great because it's always been live and people come from all over and it's you know in these big classes and teaching stuff but then comes COVID-19. Now, for years, I've been talking to the head of the festival, Kathy D'Angelo, and saying, you know, could we put part of the festival um, virtual, you know, and I actually experimented with that last year. I had a really great class called um, Instant Ensemble, and after the class, I met with the people from that class online for a couple more sessions after they went home. So, and every year I was like, Kathy, let's, you know, let's have a virtual component here. So, um, when COVID-19 came along and threatened to completely, you know, throw everything out the window, um, I had a wonderful conversation with Kathy where she was like, 
okay, I think I'm finally ready to listen to you about this. And so we sat down and talked about how it, the whole festival could be virtual and how that could open it up to even more people in the world and how it could open it up to even more connections. And that's what it's going to be this year. And now, instead of just having people from all over the United States and a few people from you know Europe and, and Asia and other places and Australia, now there are people really coming in from all over. Yeah, it is a really neat thing that's happening. Um, And and I think it's really going to make the festival even more special, like in years to come, when we are back in in New Jersey, but then we can have this like online aspect to it, too. Yeah, this is something that I've discovered in my own academy, Hip Harp Academy, that there when we can combine that live aspect and also the online aspect. And when we can have a group online aspect and then we can have individual parts of it, we can really start to use all the ways of connection Mm. and all the ways of teaching to enrich our tribe, you know, our tribe all over the world of heart players. Yeah, and you're you're fantastic at at contacting people and bringing the community together. So I know you've have amazing fans and people who love you from all over the world. So Well, thanks. You know, it's really funny, Maureen, but years ago when I was just touring physically and I would go to parts of the world where there was a teacher who had created a node of students around them, that was always so fascinating and powerful to me that these students were learning um, principles together and they were getting to watch each other and they were getting to mentor each other and work with one teacher. But I didn't want to stay in one place. I mean, I, I, I do live in one place, but I loved touring. And I thought, well, that I guess that's never going to be for me. Well, hmm. now, you know, there are about a hundred, over 150 people in Hip Harp Academy, and I get to meet with people, you know, every week and really have this community. And since, um, since the pandemic, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, my God, we need to meet more. You know, we, we need to be playing all the time. We're alone right. in our rooms. What are we going to do about this? Yeah. And I was like, I know. Music. I'll start a Harp Time Live. <laughs> we'll meet every Tuesday and Thursday. You know, so th- normally I was, um, you know, my classes go throughout the year, and I would meet with students on Monday for master classes and chats. Well, now mm. we're meeting almost every day. And some of the days we're just playing. And... That is like when I was a kid, when you would just get together with the people you love and just play. And that is Harp Time Live. So every Tuesday and Thursday, the room just fills up with harpists and I set up a groove or I show people how to play a simple blues or I come up with a calypso and then we just all play it. We're not, nobody's hearing anybody else. So that's part of the power of it is that you can do whatever you want in your room but you're playing with other people and you're together with them. And then we have a little social salon afterwards. Oh, nice. And then they yeah, can great. listen to the recordings again if they need to. Or That's right. So anybody yeah. who signs up for Harp Time Live um, also gets access to the recordings afterwards. So you can watch it again. And so you can play along again and again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, Kim Robertson. Uh, and yeah. And she was saying, you know, sometimes when she, in the beginning when she was doing workshops, she would like just pack them full of information and you know and then she had a dream that someone in her dream told her like you don't have to do everything you could just do right. but now that these are being recorded you can go back and because you might lo- like leave just with one thing in your head but it yeah well that's another thing you know, what, what Kim said about that that's we all teachers are always like want to pack everything in 
This has been one of the really powerful things about Harp Time Live mm. is we're usually doing one thing. Like I'll set something up like the other day, I was like, okay, we're gonna do. times and then oh that's out of tune but doesn't matter and we just keep doing that and then what can you do and then we just keep going and what oh I'm hearing someone outside so you just start with this and then that keeps going and keeps going. I often loop it. Mm. And then what I will often do, I mean, I was doing stuff that was a little bit complicated there. But what I will often do is set it up and then I'll say, okay, everybody follow me. We're going to play a melody. Now you do it. Mm. Let's do it again. It goes call and response, call and response. And what I've discovered is that by taking one little idea and playing it mm. for 30 or 40 minutes, and going back over and over again, and I'll be like, okay, everybody, bass line again. Let's mm. do that bass line. And if you can't do the whole bass line, just hit A there, and then wait till it comes back again, and then hit A again. And then, you know, we're gonna come to E here, mm. and then, you know, you can always do that. Okay, do that again. Okay, now this time you come in here, you know, and play this, play accompaniment. Okay, this time let's do it up here. But it's not like, okay, go do this. Mm. I often feel like when I'm in a class and somebody's like, okay, this is what you're gonna go do now, go to your room and get that. And what I love about Harp Time Live is we're all playing almost all the time. It's mm. Once I've set it up, it's all playing. And people are telling me over and over again that what's great about it is at first, it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. But then by, you know, 15 minutes in, you start to see where it fits and you start to be able to fit in. And, oh, like, I can't play everything, but I know I can come in here. And it's funny, Maureen, I just realized as mm. I'm talking to you just now, yes. as I'm blathering on, um, I it reminds me of when I used to go to these... Um, aerobics classes and the teacher would say like this is what we're going to learn today and she'd be like there is no way there's no way i'm going to do that but she would break it down and then repeat it and by the end of the class i was doing it mm. and i loved that model so much and I always wanted to be able to do that with music. And I feel like that's part of what I'm able to do now with Harp Time Live. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this gives you more time with people, too. And the nice thing about it that you said you're not hearing anybody else, that you're not hearing if someone's playing the wrong note beside you and you're like, was that me? Am I out of tune? And, you know, so you can, it's just, it's you. And you can just be playing a duet with, with you. Yeah. Which That's is right. Terrific. And I've had people say one one person the first day she was like, "This is so great! I'm just playing like I as if I can play." She said, "I'm playing every wrong note in the book, <laughs> but it doesn't matter." <laughs> and it's so great because even if you're playing every wrong note in the book, you're with you're playing that form, yeah, and you're getting comfortable with it. And this is what is like this is what it is like to be in a live music culture. Hmm. And this is something that we so often don't get because it's now, now, you know, you have to be really good. You have to be really, 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 really good. And when I grew up in a community music culture, there was a place for everybody. Hmm. If you were a kid and you could only play one note, there was a place for you to play that one note. And as you got 
bigger or bigger instrument or whatever you got, then you could play two notes, mm -hmm. and then you you kept moved up. And so there was almost an apprenticeness, but you always belonged. Mm. And that's what I love about the way that I'm getting to teach now of peop everybody on different levels, taking music, breaking it down, what's most important, and you know how can you play it at your level, yeah. and then how can you build it up. And we get to do that piece by piece with Harp Time Live. Yeah, I mean, you, like literally, you're just taking eight, like that's what, eight bars or something, and we're like playing with eight bars for 40 minutes. Yeah, and people improvising who never thought they could improvise. Right, that's right. Yeah. Because sometimes you need a little bit of direction. Okay, here, like, like a lot of times when we're improvising on the blues, which we do in mm. that, I'll be like, okay, so here's your, here are your notes. Here's a, this is a pentatonic scale. That's what you're going to play with. You don't have to worry about anything else. Mm -hmm. If you play that over and over again, it's going to sound good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you can play yeah, a different octaves. So I and wish I'd had this when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I had it in my own community, but I wish I had had it like any time I wanted to turn it on, mm. that I could just go play with it. And that's what we want to do is find the music that's in people, and then how do we bring that out? Mm. And I think, I mean, you're making me realize... One of the reasons I love these simple forms, like blues, which is a simple form, but it can go to levels of complexity we can't even imagine. But it's got that downbeat. It's got all those things that are connecting into you. And we, certainly in the, in the U.S., it's part of our culture. It, it comes out of us, and it's so open. Yeah, yeah. And the nice thing about the lever harp is... When you're in it, you set a key, you're in the key. Right. You know, so. That's right. And another really cool thing about the lever harp when it comes to blues, and I'm teaching a blues class at, um, at Somerset, you can set it up to be really cool. Like, um, oh, 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 you're supposed to be down. Yeah. So if I have, um, if I, I can kind of get that bluesy note with the G sharp, mm. or I can. Is, is that the, the lever, well, you can do that on the pedal harp, too. You can bend notes. Mm. But it's just so great to discover that a mechanical solution becomes a musical, uh, a way to make a, a new musical statement or, or make it have a new character to the music. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, and the electric harp, too. Like, that's a whole yeah, other exactly. instrument in and of itself, too, and what you can do with it. Yeah, and, and the, I mean, the electric harp, for anybody who doesn't know, the electric harp is, ba this electric harp is based on the Celtic harp. And so it has all these levers up here. And that's how you get, so the harp is like all the white keys of a piano. And to get the accidental notes, I don't know why they're called, are they called accidentals? Accidentals, yeah, aren't they? Well, it's they're not accidental. <laughs> they're intentional. Anyway, whatever. Um <laughs> Um, anyway, to get those things called accidentals, which are intentional, you um, play the, you use these levers. Um, and, and, and when you're first learning, you know, good technique, you want to make, you, you want to list, you know, it, it, you want to be genteel about it. Mm. But when you start playing blues, you want to be anything from genteel and you actually want to, you really want to hear how you can use it to make, uh, to, to add character. Oh, play. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, your use of, of looping pedals and, and uh, I mean, 
it's just such a cool thing. I think the first year I saw you performing at Somerset, and y- you know, I think you broke into um, Jimi Hendrix's version of the <laughs> Star Spangled Banner, and everyone was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> well, well, that's one of the things that's so amazing about the harp, is that it is ah. It's like potatoes, you know what I mean? I mean, what I mean by that is it's open. It doesn't have other things in the way. Hmm. So you can, it's it's naked strings. And so you can do all kinds of things with it from, mm-hmm. from making percussive sounds to um, if you, you know, if, if you put a, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> to adding effects like a looper. I've got a looper right here. Um, so if I were to do, let me see if I was going to do a, a kind of a loop. Then I can play over it. And then I can add more. Once you have an, once you can electrify an instrument, you can apply all the tools that were created for electric guitars mm-hmm. to the harp. Sure, yeah. Because you're just you just have that signal that comes out of it, and that's been a journey for me. I mean, in the beginning, I played the pedal harp, and I played classical music because I wanted to learn to be classical harp because I felt like that was going to redeem me and prove me and um and unfortunately or fortunately i had to make a living and in order to make a living i had to learn to improvise i mean i i could improvise already on the piano i started harp when i was 22 and so um i had to bring in improvisation i had to bring in and i felt like i was um like i was what is that word when you like takes I was shaming the harp or something like I was taking this amazing classical instrument and I was playing levy on rose or playing sambas or something because that's what it was easy for me to play and I had to make a living mm. and I had to improvise in order to do that and and it was later that I began to understand that that was a superpower meaning we all have a superpower and it's usually the thing that we think is we shouldn't do but when you bring it in then it allowed me to just go further and further with the harp, and then it allowed me to go explore jazz. And then I felt constrained by the instrument because I was playing the big concert harp, and I dreamed of having an electric harp I could wear. Right. And actually, my whole TEDx talk is all about this particular thing, and you, there's a link... Yes, uh, I have. Yeah, I will put that in the in the show right. notes too. Yeah, I did. I did want to ask you about your TED talk. Sure. Uh, yeah. Ask me anything. So, <laughs> and so it was all about how you collaborated with Kamek. Uh, yeah, yeah. So when I first, uh, so it all happened because I someone at a show um, asked me, uh, you know, how did you get your harp or something like that, and I started telling them the story, but I started actually singing the story, hmm. and so I don't know why I d- started singing the story, but I sang the whole story, and somebody got it on tape. And it got on YouTube, and then the TEDx people saw it, and they, or maybe they were actually at my show, and they 
asked me to come do that same thing at, TED, at TEDx. And I thought, I was like, no, I'm going to do something philosophical at TEDx. You know, I want to show how smart I am. And they were like, no, we really just want to hear the story. Like, hmm. this is an, a fascinating story of persistence. And, and it's also a story about, so it's about persistence because there were so many times when I wanted something to be, I wanted a harp that I could strap on. I was strapping on any harp I could find and to see if, if there was a way. Now I was strapping on little pedal harps, like, is there a way wow, to do this? I, just, I was so convinced. And then I got a little lap harp. And I, I discovered I could strap that on. Mm -hmm. I could actually put a pickup on it. And then I put like red flecked contact paper on it to make it look like a Stratocaster. <laughs> and then I took it to Joel Garnier, um, who was the head of Camac Harps. And I, sh I knew he was a visionary and I showed this to him. And for the first time, somebody was like, ah, now I see what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I, it was so hard for me to get my vision clear for others. But once I did, it was, seemed like it was like three months later, he handed me the prototype wow. for the DHC. Now, however, it wasn't such an easy road from there because at that point they were still making them out of wood. Mm. And the TEDx talk is all about that journey to this instrument. Because people weren't, I thought it was the harp of the future. I was like, hey, I'm playing the harp of the future. Come on, everybody, let's play it with me. But nobody else was playing it. And I couldn't figure out why. Hmm. Because it was just like, th of course this is what we want to do. We don't know why. But because of Kamek and because of Jacquez, who was Joel's you know, next in line, this harp was able to be built. And this hmm. is the DHC, which I'm proud is has my initials, it's named after me. And this is only 11 pounds and it has 32 wow. strings and it's awesome. gorgeous. And here's the thing that I love telling people who are not harpists, oh, it's great for harpists too. So I, I don't know the exact cost of it. I think it's between five and $6,000. And and people are like, oh, it's five or six thousand, that's a lot of money. And I say, this, this is the top of the line. Mm -hmm. This is what I play with symphony orchestra. Yeah. This is what I record with. If you were playing a violin, you couldn't get an instrument even close oh, no. to the top of the line. Mm -mm. You, would, you would have to mortgage your house to be able to get a violin that was great. And this is one thing I love about harps. First of all, there's so many amazing builders. You can get an amazing instrument at an affordable price that you don't have to buy it and then buy something else and then something else. I mean, this is it. And I'm, I don't know. Hmm. I just think that's, I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 But is it, I mean, I, from what I remember you telling me that, you know, you were trying, they were trying to figure out how to build it. Like, cause wood wasn't right. And then I don't know if you came up with the idea for the bicycle. Yeah. It kind of went back to when I was a kid, when I was seven, I got a ukulele and I got a bicycle hmm. and those really represented freedom to me. And, um, and so I always had those ideas in my mind and I always rode a bike. And when there was a moment when I was talking to Jacques where he tried this prototype and that prototype and this prototype. And every time they, they made a better instrument, it was heavier. Mm. So it had started at 17 pounds, I think, or 18 pounds. And by the time they handed me the last one, it was 25 Oof. pounds. 
Wow. And I, I couldn't even, it, and it was strapped around my oh waist, my and I was in pain. And I said, look, it, this can't work. It's not working. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, we love making this harp for you, but nobody else is buying it. I mean, we've invested all this money and, and time in it, and we love that. That's part of our mission. But we can't keep doing it. It's not a business model that can work. Mm. And I said, look at the instrument. I, I mean, you're fr then they're French. And, and I was like, look at the instrument. It is like the, it's like the shape of the, of the frame of a bike. Mm. Can you go to the bike people and can you ask them, can they build it? Mm. And he did. Incredible. And so now it's built. In a, in a bike factory, and um, it's 11 pounds, wow. it's got 32 strings, and now people all over the world are buying it. I mean, like, there's like a uh, six-month yeah. waiting list for I this. see them a lot. I, I, I mean, it's in, it It's awesome. an amazing instrument, and it's amazing. It's amazing if you want to be loud and bombastic, of course, mm. and it's amazing if you want to be tender, mm. because my shows are always have the that sure. spectrum from yeah. very tender to <coughs> fiery. Because you, the electricness of it can be, it, it can be, you know, gentle. No, no, that's not what I wanted to do. Can be gentle. That the gentleness can come across sure. at a large distance, as opposed to it being so soft that nobody can hear it. Mm -hmm. So the gentleness can come across, and then. It can get loud and it can get um, aggressive, and um, and w I've noticed that people buy it not just people who want to be an electric harpist, but people who want to be able to carry a harp around. Mm. They buy it because they want to be able to practice when it when it because you can turn the harp off and then it has no sound. They uh, I know a choir director um, wanted to get one once because it was easy to put it on a stand and to conduct from it oh. and carry it to the you know to sure. the choir. So it's been really interesting, what an amazing journey, to have a vision. Because I, I, it, the vision came to me one night, one, um, one New Year's Eve, actually. I was sitting on my porch in Somerville, Massachusetts, and I had a glass of champagne, and I had this vision that I was playing a harp like this, I was wearing it, and I was playing my own music hmm. in front of a sim with a symphony orchestra. I'm getting emotional because um, there's something that's about to happen. Um, uh, the premiere of a piece that where I'm actually doing that. So my life then from that point, what there was no harp like that. There was no music like that. I, there, I'd never seen that before. And my life from there progressed on trying to get that instrument to be real and then trying to have that vision of playing with that symphony orchestra, with that vision, and in the vision, I was there were the brass was playing, and I was you know soaring over the brass, and this all came together mm. in 2005, when and it was even before the DHC, so it was in the prototype. It uses the prototype of this instrument. When I, I did, I started writing for symphony orchestra. I mean, I just it was I had this vision. I'm going to do this. Mm. And first, I wrote for string quartet. Then I wrote for chamber ensemble. And then, lo and behold, the Boston Pops called me up and said, "Hey, do you want to play with us?" And I was like, "Well, yes. I've been <laughs> waiting for you to call." <laughs> and um, and so I wrote the music, and I I was still playing the concert harp then, but 
little over time and over time, I started writing the music. Th this harp started being built. I started writing the music for symphony orchestra for this instrument and for my voice. And then I was touring, doing that with different symphonies around the United States when a man walked up to me. I was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We'd just done an, out an outdoor concert. And this man walked up to me after the show and he said, you know what I saw out there? I want the whole world to see. Mm. And I was like, well, that's nice. Me too. <laughs> I want that. <laughs> um, well, but he was a philanthropist and he had the means mm. and he and I worked together. We collaborated on a project with that symphony, with the Grand Rapids Symphony to create this project that got a Grammy nomination, mm. that got onto PBS and that totally realized that vision. It is my vision that I had had yeah. on that New Year's Eve. And the reason I'm tearing up right now is that like all video projects, um, every video project you make with symphony orchestra or with musicians has certain restrictions. You know, be, you, you can use it for this and not for that. That's just how it goes. And so we had gotten um, the rights to use it in a DVD and also on PBS. Mm -hmm. So we'd done that, but then when those went away, there were some restrictions on putting it up virtually, um, which is great. I mean, that's part of how music, why music can work because of those restrictions. But because of COVID-19, the American Federation of Musicians incredibly generously offered to lift those restrictions oh. for 45 days wow. so that we can share this incredible project to raise money for the Grand Rapids Symphony, oh, the, people, awesome. the people that I collaborated with. And so this vision that I had is for the first time ever going to be available for people virtually, only for that amount of time. Wow. And this and is Invention and Alchemy? Invention and Alchemy. And the reason that it is called Invention and Alchemy is that it is about those two things, the invention of a single person, the invention that happens in our mind. Mm. And because it's a beautiful thing, invention, but it doesn't come to life until we are in collaboration with others. Oh, yeah. So I could have that dream of that harp all I wanted, but until I was collaborating with Kamak Harps, it, the, the magic of it coming alive couldn't happen. I could have that dream of playing with a symphony orchestra, but until I collaborated with symphonies like the Grand Rabbit mm -hmm. Symphony, it didn't come alive. And the minute I was on stage with them, th there was this alchemy. I could listen to the music on my computer. It was perfect. It was not alive. Mm. But the minute that happened with them, the minute they were playing, it, it came alive. And then the third element there was the collaboration with a philanthropist mm. who saw that, loved it, and said, I want the world to see this, and then funded it so it could happen. Amazing. So that is the alchemy, and the alchemy continues and continues to unfold. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's just all, everybody just saying yes. Like, yeah, let's do yes. it. Yes, and you know what's amazing is, is that it happened through the harp. Mm. Because I've always been a composer, and for many years I asked myself, why am I playing the harp? The harp, you can't be dissonant with it. You, you mean, <laughs> like, why am I doing that? I don't understand. And for many years I hid behind the harp. Mm. I can see that now. And then little by little, I can see that through this instrument, and especially through this instrument, it, the instrument has allowed me to reveal myself and to give my hands a voice that they did not have mm. and to be able to share that. 
Yeah. And this time, you know, this time of COVID has been so amazing in terms of what's happened because of the need. Mm -hmm. Because I have an online school and I know how to use the technology, I was able to jump right in and connect with harpists all over the world and make that connection. Because symphonies need this content, they need to be able to share what they're doing the restrictions got lifted so that we can share these things. And it all happened because of the harp. Yeah. It's given me a voice oh, yeah. that I didn't have. Oh, and, and having the harp that you can stand and be communicating with it. So you're not, you're right, you're not hiding behind That's it. Right. So it's That's like a right. guitarist can, you know, have that, doesn't have that barrier. So we, Right. And, and, and of course, the harp, you can sing with it. And singing is an important part of my, of my life. When you see Invention and Alchemy, um, part of the fun of it is seeing me move around with the harp mm. and being able, there's one piece where there's a huge timpani solo. And I'm actually able to walk back through the orchestra with my instrument and do a solo with that timpanist. Mm. And there are, you know, other times where we're using the harp. We actually use the concert harp as well and use it in, in funny ways. But, but it's, it's, there's so much, in, there's also so much invention in the piece itself. Yeah, yeah. I can, I'm so thrilled that I'm getting to share this. Incredible. And I think you gave me the link for that, or is that? That's yeah, and that's also in the link tree. It is in so link people, tree. Okay. So people should go sign up for that right now because you the, it's going to start the the premiere is july 10th mm. but we will be doing other things until then like unpacking the music showing you the pieces i'll play the pieces for people so they can see what's inside the pieces so when you actually see the whole symphony you'll you'll be able to pick apart the pieces and harpists will actually be able to pick apart the melody and mm. play it oh awesome yeah yeah it's it's amazing to have this opportunity to share at a at a huge level and to have the resources to be able to say, oh, now, how are people going to enjoy this even more? Oh, I know they'd enjoy it more if they knew, if they could see the sheet music and what it looks like. Ooh, it would be really cool if I could show them like what the theme is and what that looks like and, and be able to do all that because of, you know, because of the resources we have now. Uh, yeah. 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 And I mean, taking, you know, it's a, chaos of the situation and making right. and creating something you know that's another alchemy that you know yeah that's right and I remember writing a blog post really early on in this uh, how um how chaos and and crisis opens creativity and there's there's actually a whole philosophy th that really looks to crisis to open up creative opportunity now I'm lucky. I'm not on the front lines. I'm not a health worker. Mm. I think it's different. I'm sure there's creativity opening up there, but they're dealing with the day-to-day -day and, and giving us the support so that we can use different parts of this crisis oh, sure. ourselves. But the music yeah. that you're creating is helping you know, those people who are helping others. Well, that's, that's been really interesting. I, I've heard that actually, that there's a, the, my song, The Nightingale, mm. has been used in a lot of different ways, both to thank, you know, um, health workers and also in situations where people need to just feel their emotions. And that's true. And I mean, it's easy to feel, well, first of all, it's so important to feel the gratefulness mm. that 
others are using their skills to help us and keep us safe as, as, as much as they can. So there's that, the power of that. At the end, to think, what can I do with the skills I have to help or to enrich? You know, it's easy to feel like, well, I'm not a doctor, so like, what can I do? Mm-hmm. But to think, no, what? okay, this is what I have. What can I do? Can I make their burden lighter? Can I help their what they're trying to do? How can I use my voice in that way? Yeah, that's so beautiful. I, I was, when I was talking to um, Nicholas Carter today, we were saying the same kind of thing, you know, um, right. you know about how he he brings the Paraguayan harp and and how he shares that with with students and and the community and and just healing through the music. Mm-hmm. So right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just want to say to everybody that there's also healing through the playing. Mm. And one of the things that I love teaching in Harp Time Live and also in the whole academy is how it doesn't have, you don't have to be to do something complicated in order to have that. Like in, in the, I have a class called One Song, the Nightingale, mm. where we take this one song and we break it down in to its bare bones and then build it up with different ways. And one of the things that I've discovered and shared is how how simple the bass line is. So literally, if you only had two fingers, you could sing, Who will sing for the we take it and we go from the most simple and learning how to be musical Mm -hmm. and express yourself with that most simple and then how to build onto it and again for me this goes back to my philosophy that um, music a piece is there with you for your whole life and it's not something you learn and then you go on to a harder piece you learn it at its simplest way Mm -hmm. and then as you need to express more or as you get comfortable with it you learn to express other things with it and you add on to it and you add more and you add more and so it becomes every piece becomes like a garden that is growing throughout your life and one of the reasons that's beautiful aside from its growth is that if at any point in your life you um you injure your hand or you whatever happens who knows you can step back to the simpler way and know that that is just as beautiful it's not a lesser way it's just a different way they're all beautiful options and so you can shift getting less or more complex depending on what you're doing and then that also depending on what you're what where you're at in your life and on who you're playing with sure because you can simplify it again if you're playing with other people yeah and and plus it, it it's great for beginners so they don't feel like oh i can't play i'm just a beginner right. like like I, I have to wait like yeah. i have to earn the right to play this beautiful song or i have to yeah. earn the right to be able to play with other people and 
my belief is that you don't. Everybody has the right to express and share peak musical experience at any level of technical ability. Mm. And the trick, the hard part, is that any level of technical ability. It's so hard for us to actually embrace what we can do. Mm. And we're always looking at what we can't do and how we can get better. And so we miss that grounding in what we already can do, and we often can't even see it. Mm. That's so true. Because we're trying to get the, the more and more complicated that's, thing. Yeah, that's so true. That's an open mind to just learn instead of being so rigid about, like, no, I need that 10,000 hours of practicing before I can even have anybody hear me. You know? Yeah, and I mean, okay, if you want to be an Olympic athlete, sure. maybe. If, yeah. there's, if there's a competitive situation, yeah, or if there's a, a pre-definition of what fluency or mm. what excellence is, but if there's no predefined definition, it can happen. Mm. And I'm sure we all, well, I don't know if everybody experienced this, but I know I did before I knew how to play an instrument, when you play that first note and you're just like, oh, wow. Sure, yeah. I did. And there's a yeah. way to share that. For example, if that was your only skill, but you could describe the experience, mm. then you can tell the story of it and play the note, and that becomes the peak experience yeah. for yeah. others. And that's why in my school, I am always teaching people to take what we learn, take it apart, be able to tell a story with it, to be able to play it with others, mm. and to be able to play it at different levels of ability because that gives you this spectrum of connection. And the motto of the school is connection, not perfection. Yeah, Harder to do than one would think <laughs> because we're so, so geared to like perfection. But one of the things I'm understanding more and more about perfection is it's really about hiding. Mm-hmm. And so as we become willing to let go of perfection and actually show ourselves, and when we have a safe environment to do that, yeah. that is such an important part of this. Oh, yeah. And that's another reason that the academy is a closed academy. Mm -hmm. And so people are sharing, they're getting, and they're getting to see other people be vulnerable and show, and that is having this snowball effect of, of, of giving more freedom. Awesome. Because it all comes down to, like, why are you doing it? Why are you playing music to begin with? You know, is it, it's for the, is it for the beauty? Is it for yourself? Is it to, you know, it's not about how technical you can get or how, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's really about touching another world. I mean, as I started asking myself, can I distill why I'm here and what I'm doing? I distilled it down to I'm an ambassador to the world of music and imagination. Mm. And that's why I'm doing what I do. And so then it becomes a very broad spectrum of what that means. Mm. And anybody can do that. Anyone can be an ambassador to the world of music and, and, and imagination. Yeah. What did you just say, Maureen? Because I went off on this thing and I just, but I was thinking there was something else in what you just said that I really liked. Oh, about um, why are we doing this? About oh, why it. are we doing it? Yeah. Right. That's right. Uh, that impulse, 
that's an, uh, in, in one of the classes and one of the principles that I work with, I have these seven strings of creative resonance, which I sometimes call the seven strings of passion. And they, they help you kind of take apart, you know, in music there's, there's the impulse and then there's the structure that you apply to that impulse. Then there's the um, character that you bring to it. Mm. Then there's, anyway, it goes on into seven things. But the impulse, you're talking about the impulse, like mm. why did we do it in the first place? And so for several years I was teaching this, like, yes, it's all about the impulse, the impulse to do, to touch, to be. That's what starts us. But then I realized that impulse is always in response to something else. We saw the instrument and we wanted to reach out and touch it. Mm. Or we heard something and we loved the sound of it. Something whispered in our ear and we responded. We responded. Yeah. And that was our first impulse was to respond and reach out and connect. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this, or it, but I need to or I want to. And doing this makes me happy, you know. And let's see where this takes me. Just Right. You know, just like with, y you know, y your story of how you had, you know, worked with Kamek on your harp or how you created, you know, your, the work that you did with the symphony. It's just sort of like, let's just see where this goes. Cause this is yeah. making me Although happy. I, 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 got, I will, <laughs> I, I want to be full ex, ex uh, what is it called? Not full exposure, but uh, ex, uh, whatever it's called full disclosure <laughs> here. There are definitely times when I have a vision and there is so much work to create that vision that I just, I'm like, why am I doing this? Seriously. <laughs> and Invention in Alchemy is a perfect example of this because when you watch the video, you will see what appears to be and is spontaneity. Mm. In order to create the space for that spontaneity uh, with a symphony orchestra, there was this painstaking process of... And, and I kept thinking, like, when I'd be in the middle of it, I'd be like, my God, this is taking forever. <laughs> and, like, uh, and I have to learn how to do this, and then I have to do this, this was wrong, and then I had to do this. And, and, you know, we had to go through two different dress rehearsals, of, and each time I had to rewrite the whole thing. I mean, mm -hmm. it was huge. And, and the vision did – it, it wasn't like, and the vision kept me going. <laughs> because – Certainly, there were many times when I was like, what was I thinking? Why, why did I do this difficult thing? Mm. But then there comes that moment where I've built the scaffolding for complete freedom mm. with such beauty. And, and then I reconnect back to that vision. And uh, this just happened in this interview. Mm. I had really... It's not that I'd forgotten that I sat there on that porch, but I hadn't connected the dots to what's happening July 10th. Hmm. I mean, the fact that this has basically been underground for the last seven years hmm. because it's on DVD and, you know, who goes out and buys DVDs? I mean, maybe some people, but it, it's not, you know, a raging business right now. This is the moment when this can be shared in a way it's never, ever been shared before. It's never been shared where you can go opt in right now for mm. free and you're going to get to watch that premiere. Wow. Anywhere in the world. Incredible. And, and people, that's what people want right now is, you know, you, you've got to, you know, people who are longing for beauty and music right, and, right. you know, inspiration. And 
Right. And when we think about all this, all the hidden, I mean, so this was a beautiful video, you know, film basically that's been hidden, restricted in, in, in a a good way. I mean, there was a, a reason for that. Well, think about all the things that are within us that may be hidden because of restrictions that we can lift. Sure. Because it's time to share those things. Yeah. And like you said, that whole fear of, uh, of perfection, you know, the perfectionism that keeps us from, like, I don't, I don't want to embarrass myself or make a mistake. Or, you know, when people are learning the harp, like, I, I don't want other people to hear me because I might make a mistake. And it's like, that's okay. You know, but... It, I mean, I get it. I've struggled and struggled and struggled with perfectionism. And I, that's why it's such a huge thing that I talk about in my school. Mm. And it's, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's serious. It's a serious thing. And it is, it, perfectionism leads into the cycle of addiction. Mm. It may not be a substance abuse addiction, but it, it can become an addiction of hiding. Mm-hmm. And then the perfectionism actually contributes to that hiding and you build it's like you're building um you know a wall around yourself in which you get into a tinier and tinier and tinier space right and as i work on my own perfectionism breaking through it i have to feel feelings that feel icky like i was doing something the other day and i and i was like i just don't have time to perfect this i'm just gonna have to put it out there and i was just walking around just like oh this feels terrible where's the chocolate cupcakes and i want to call my aunt and and i was like you know what this is that feeling Mm -hmm. when they say you're gonna have to actually feel those feelings that's what they're talking about yeah you can call your aunt you can eat the chocolate cupcakes Mm. but how about just for 10 minutes mm-hmm. let's just like sit with that yeah it feels like death it feels like i have to do everything possible to make it go away but let's just sit with it and from what i hear um i mean from what i hear um as you do that more it the muscle of being it's, it's like a muscle that's weak mm. you go to step on it and it's not there and so it just feels like this and then as you do it more it will it, it, you just won't see it there mm. and you'll see it somewhere else, you know, because it's an, op- you know, I've spent years, I may not look like I've been hiding and, and many people may look like they're not hiding, but, but some of us are. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, so it will, I will spend my life, the rest of my life opening that up more and more. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like when I, I talked for years and years about starting my own business and my friends were like, well, you just do it already. I'm like, no, 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 it's a, I got to fix it. I, I'm not ready. I don't know. And then finally I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so then, yeah. what's it called? Oh, it's a uh, moon over the trees, music this and theater production. Like, this is so it. we're doing it. This is part of it. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to do the podcast and then when Somerset, um, you know, was going virtual, I was, I was like, oh, why don't I start the podcast now interviewing the artists? Because my idea was to have a pa- like a panelist kind of discussion before the concerts. And because I get to talk to you and right. the other performers, but a lot right. of people who go there don't have that chance. So I was like, oh, how cool would it be if I could share, you know, these stories and these conversations with, with you know, the harp community. Right. So everyone could hear these like cool stories and you know behind the scenes of like oh that's how that happened kind of a thing so this these podcasts started months earlier than I was thinking but I'm like I'm just gonna do it 
I'm going to do right. it. And then the first time I posted, I was like, oh, crap, I did it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, there it is. So, so Maureen, what's the, what's so. the whole, what's the business? So the, the podcasts are part of it, and what's the rest of it? So I do, um, I, so I, I, you know, teach piano, harp, voice, but I also um, direct theater. Um, I can, I'll conduct the pit orchestras, but I'm also the person that's on the 14-foot ladder hanging lights and, comp- you know, programming the computers and, you know, writing the plays that get performed and, um, you know, almost like every aspect. So, and I work with a lot with high school students and middle school students. So helping them, like, I'll direct them in Shakespeare productions or musicals or, you know, so getting... So what's the name for that? Is it like a production? Like, it's almost like a production midwife, you know, like, <laughs> seriously, like, it, I mean, so for what you're saying, you, if you direct the plays and if you're doing the, the tech and if you're up on the ladder, mm-hmm. it's like the, it's like the person who actually realizes realizes mm. yeah. something. But I'm also performing, too, and, you know, teaching music, too. So it's, you know, like, so a little bit of everything in a way, but that's just that's just how I've always been. And I kind of wanted to bring, like, have something that I could have the business of my own that I could yeah. bring people together. So there's there's music, and then there's the production of music into things mm-hmm. that can be shared. Yes, yeah. And, I mean, going from, you know, the page to the stage. So if that means that I have to compose some music for um, a production, I'll do that. If I need to, you know, whether it's, you know, traditional mm-hmm. composing or if I'm doing it through, like, loops, you know, electronic mm. loops or however I can I can do that because, you know, I also, like, talk to people about like copyright and you know if if someone's composing music you cannot use it without their permission so those kind of things so i'm like since we can't now we have to make our own music for our show so um you know then i teach them about like hey you you wrote something you know i'm sure with with you as well like you you know have a composition you worked really really hard on it you want to make sure that you get paid for it you know, so I trying to like tell students when you know early on, you know that sure you like your favorite band, but just because you're listening to them for free on Spotify right. or YouTube or whatever, you know it doesn't necessarily mean that those artists are getting the money. So I'm like, go buy their music. Right. <laughs> so no, that's really interesting because um, now it's sounding like your business is like um, is like that high school experience we wish we had or maybe some people did mm. of actually being actually being able to use what we've learned to um to create something and to create something together that's yeah that's i think that's a big part of theater but then i bring in the music side too have you ever wanted to learn how to play the harp or find out more about the instrument well this year marks the 20th anniversary of the somerset folk harp festival The festival will take place online, so no matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to take workshops and listen to the concerts, meet the harp makers, and find out more about the harpists from around the world. Celtic, jazz, classical, electric harp, Paraguayan harp, and more. So check out the festival at somersetharpfest.com. That's Somerset, S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T. Hope to see you there.
Somerset. Yes. And I met you at Somerset because you were the stage manager, basically, right? And not just the stage manager for the stage, but kind of for the whole festival. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, don't I, know. Mean, I mean, for any any concert. Yeah, so that's any that concert, was my yeah. yeah. And um, and now that this is virtual, you've taken on the job of of all that production, but in a virtual way. Yeah, it was just because I I wanted to because I'm like, why should I be the only one that gets to hear from these amazing right. artists? So I'm like, right. that's not fair. So <laughs> you know, that's why I wanted to bring this out to you know. Y- your fans too, so they can, right. you know, just be sit back and tell your stories. So, right. Oh, okay. So, right. So, I know that you and I had a lot of really great conversations when we were like just, yeah, you know, like exactly. waiting for the sound to get set up or yeah. something like that. And you're right; people never get to hear those. Right. And they're fascinating. Yeah, they might hear like a five minute story on stage, or they might hear a right. little bit in a workshop, but then they never really get to sit down with you so right you know and and it's inspiring and yeah. you know it's it's hopeful like for for them to see you know see you on stage you know and how powerful you are to know that oh wait you like wait you're self-conscious sometimes or you're afraid sometimes like no. mm. i think that huh. <laughs> i think it's it's huge help especially to someone who's beginning like a you know beginner or an adult beginner um you know they I think it would give them hope and inspiration to to say like, oh wait, I can do this at my level and you know participate and make some really cool music and wait, I can play blues on the harp and wait, I can improvise on the harp and your workshops are always jam packed. Yeah, and you're making me as you're saying this and you said at my level, I'm realizing like that for me is really really important and uh, you know it's. And, and the whole competitive competitive aspect of music is can be very destructive mm. and and it can lead to that it, it can lead to, to being it, to being destructive outside yourself but it can also lead to being destructive inside yourself as we bring it into ourselves and think about that competitiveness and I know I always say to my students the ninja move not that I know what a ninja is or what their moves are, but um, is that is that that power move is and the genius move I think is how to figure out how to leverage or be resourceful mm. with the skills that you do have when most of the time we can't even see them. Mm. And this happened. This was paralleled for me in the harp when I first saw the harp. I saw the strings. And I tried to, and I played the strings. And then, you know, I, oh, there's pedals. Okay, so I have to play the pedals too. Hmm. I remember the day that I, my brain opened up and I saw the soundboard. Now, there's not a soundboard on this harp, but on the concert harp, there's a, a soundboard. And on some level, the harp is a huge drum, but sure. you never play the drum part, hmm. you only play the strings part. And I remember my brain opened up to that, and suddenly I saw something I, I hadn't seen it before. And I, that's when I started adding percussion mm. to my playing. Yes. That, and people can see that. There's actually a really cool video called Muchas Manos. Mm. If you search for that um, on, um, on YouTube, you can see me doing that with a percussionist, where I'm playing the, the strings and he's playing the rest of the, the instrument. But... Um, and and then I, you can see it in Baroque flamenco, which you'll yes. see in the DVD in the um, in the invention of alchemy. You, mm. You'll see a lot of percussion in that piece. But there's a parallel for that. So 
this huge part of the instrument was invisible to me. Also, the whole idea of bending, mm. this and, and the kind of vibrato that you can get. And, and when I'm sometimes when I'm playing something that's actually, I mean, it sounds kind of, it doesn't sound beautiful there, but if. You can you can get vibrato that way, but I didn't I didn't see that that didn't seem like a part. I thought this is the harp, mm -hmm. and everything else is just stuff you need to ignore. Sure. And then as I started seeing different parts of it, they became part of my playing. And here's something you don't want to do: make a make a snappy sound. Mm -hmm. You don't want to buzz like that. But what if you do? Maybe you want to. Yeah. It becomes something else. So it starts opening up. And I think that what I'm hoping with stu with students, but with anybody, um, is that this happens to us with ourselves, that we've discounted all this. Well, that's not mm -hmm. me. You know, this is the thing that's important. This is the thing that's good. And then that stuff starts opening up, and you start seeing that, and you start realizing this thing that I thought wasn't valuable but what if I actually do it? Mm. What if I, <laughs> what if I, I, I remember, I, here, I don't know if this would be a great example, but I remember I was working with, um, with I was coaching a, a professional and she was building her first show. And um, she was saying, um, well, I want, what I want to give to the audience is this feeling like that I had when I heard this Beethoven piece mm. and this beautiful um, flute melody came out of this storm and there was this amazing storm and then this you know beautiful mm. simple flute melody came out of it and it was this it was the moment when like the skies opened up for me uh, but I don't know how can I create Beethoven on the harp I just don't know how I can make it happen mm. and and I said well so you you want to create the experience for the audience of a of a storm that's that's crazy and then this beautiful simple melody right mm. and she was like yeah and I said, well, how about if you just go, and then, and have that come out of there. Yeah. And, um, and then what if you, is that not the same experience? I mean, I, not the way I just did it, but she said, yeah, that is the same experience. Mm. I mean, that is the same experience with absolutely no technical ability. You don't need technical ability. And if you tell the story, I heard this Beethoven, I wanted to create it, I couldn't, so I just created the storm any way I could. Yeah. And then you do it, you're adding humor, mm -hmm. you're adding humanity, you're taking the skills that you have, you're showing about resourcefulness, and you're still creating that experience, and in some ways even more. Mm. But it takes making that leap between what you think you're trying to do and how you can do it is so difficult. And I think that's often why we need a coach. Because it's not like I could do it for myself. I'll sit there and beat myself against that wall. How come I can't do this? And then someone will, you know, a coach will come along and say, well, I don't know. Why don't you just blah, blah? And I'll be like, oh, oh because I... <laughs> I don't know, I the good that. point. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's so great to have brainstorming. And that's why it's so great 
to have the opportunity for things to be bad. And that's another thing that we do in the academy is have something that's called half-bakes. Mm. And this is something that came out of my study with my teacher. I had a teacher named Tony, not a harp teacher, but a teacher, a performance teacher. And when we had an idea, he would say, I want you to get up and I want you to present it as a half-baked idea. And, you know, for most of us, we're terrified to do that because if we do it, people will be focused on the stuff that's not working mm. instead of the thing we're trying to do. And the power of the half-bake is that you explain what you're trying to do, then you do the best you can, and then the teacher or the coach will help you get to that next level. Mm. And that's what I do in the academy all the time is we have a half-baked project. Just get it out there so that we can see it, yeah. and then I can coach you on how to get you, and then you tell me what you're trying to do, yeah, and yeah, I can yeah. help you get there. That's fantastic. And it is, it yeah, is. Yeah. And it just made me think again about invention and alchemy. There's a really powerful piece. It's the one with the timpani solo, and it's called Catcher in the Rye. And it is about that moment in Catcher in the Rye uh, in, the, in the book where he says, uh, where Holden Caulfield says, you know, I want to be the catcher in the rye. You know, when children are, are running through the field and, and there's a cliff and somebody has to catch them. And I want to be that catcher. I want to be the catcher in the rye so that they can run freely. And I had an idea for how I wanted to share that story. And when I first developed it, um, I, I, I knew what I wanted, but it, it just it didn't look that way. It sounded like it, it just didn't sound that way. And the first time I shared it with somebody, a friend of mine was in the, in the it was just a small audience and she was in the front row and I looked down at her and she went <laughs> like that. And the piece died. Wow. Uh, it, it, it went so far inside me. It could, it was there for 10 years. I couldn't touch it. Wow. I was so it was so painful to that this thing hadn't and she didn't mean to do that she didn't know what I was trying to do she only saw that I was awkward at doing it and I was able to write it for invention and alchemy because I saw the timpanist do a solo uh, do a concerto and when I saw him do the concerto the piece came back to life wow. in my in my heart and in my I, I saw that he saw, without knowing it, he saw what I wanted to have happen, mm. and he could make that happen. And so I was able to write it for this film, and 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 you can see when you see it, it 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 is now a powerful thing. Mm. But that time, and I say to my students all the time, everything that's born comes out slimy, <laughs> and. <laughs> You can't, like, if you have somebody there, you have it there, and a kitten comes out, and they're like, that's not a kitten. Kittens are floppy. That's, that's a slime ball. That's a terrible kitten. Take it back. That's a failure as a kitten. Um, if, if that's what happens to you, and it happens to so many of us, then it, it, it just goes all inside. Mm -hmm. you, you can't. You, you can't be that vulnerable. Mm. And that's another reason why having this academy is so important is, is, is once somebody tells me what they're trying to do, I can see it. And then often I can see it. My job is to see it, is to see it. Yeah. And then to help them bring that in the way that other people can see it.
see, that's the sign of an amazing teacher because you want your students to look good. It's not like you don't want to have these students make you look good like oh look at what my students well, have accomplished I want to see their inventions yeah you I want mean, to encourage love, them uh, yeah. I mean, that's what i love that's yeah. the greatest performance to me when i see them inventing stuff so yes that's what i want to see and that's what what jo- uh, joel garnier was able to do for me he didn't say like but that's just a <clears throat> but that's just a little lap harp that you put contact paper on mm. it was it was a little you know but that's not what he saw yeah. because he was a visionary and, and because I told him how, I showed him how I wanted to play it. I was like, I want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and then he was like, ah, Deborah, now I understand what you want. <laughs> but that, you know, that is the job of us as artists to step out of our darkness mm with that light that we don't even know how to shine and then to do the best we can and hope that it will touch some by touching someone else it will illuminate it for us and for others yeah absolutely and that journey of actually being able to share what is inside us through all the vulnerability and all the pain and everything that we have to overcome, that is our job. Mm-hmm. Because then our voice, we can put it into that part of the puzzle. We, 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 we bring our part of the puzzle in for others. Yeah. And that's what I'm working to do in my own life, and it's what I'm working to do with my students. And it is what I am hoping to do every time I get on the stage because I'm hoping that I have, that what I'm doing opens up a piece of the puzzle for other people. And the same thing as a composer, Mm. hoping that the composition that I write is the piece that helps somebody else get their voice. Mm. And then that voice opens up somebody else's voice and then the resonance. And that's why I call it creative resonance. Mm. That resonance expands and expands. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I saw um, Robin, uh, Gordon Cartier performing uh, Bar- Baroque Flamingo, and then she made it into a competition for her students to play it with her, and right. and then they all right. came to like see the performance too. And that's right. And then they also integrated this world of like you know um, older white um, Americans, <laughs> and they came in with the energy that they had, and it it, it they shifted everything. Mm. And they were and and they were able to play it as a concerto with symphony, but even children were able to play it in a simple at a simple level as yeah. well as her playing it, you know, in the top level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. The, and I could put the video of that up. Um, yeah, the, if and and it proves there is a place, there is a place. Yeah, for everybody, and that it's it's finding and making and opening that place. Yeah, it's just what you you know you want to bring out of you if from yourself onto the harp what can your fingers do what can you you know like communicate and let that you know and and to be for you to be that kind of teacher and kind of conduit for people to be able to say like you know what i'm i'm afraid and you're like it's okay you can be afraid just make a mistake you know like i will say that that's also been an amazing thing about i i had never really done much teaching i mean maybe in festivals but then about seven years ago i started this online academy 
And it's, for, it's very powerful for me because I've been able to be much more vulnerable inside that little cocoon mm. and it's changed my playing and my communication and I've begun to realize that the relationship between students and teachers especially when they're both adults mm -hmm. so they're sharing they're sharing experience I'm helping them to take their expertise in being a human being and how do you then you have the harp be a platform to share that Mm. to th their expertise as a human yeah. at being human with others and it has opened it has made a huge change in my own life and my own playing mm. and I'm so grateful for that and I will always be grateful for that opportunity well I'm grateful for all that you do and you're so inspiring and just how open you are and and just that vulnerability and that love and passion that you put into everything everything that you do you know, I mean, just all your videos, all your live streams and, and everything, the connection that you have with people is just wonderful to see. So thank you for, for well, all Well, thank that. you. Thank uh. you, Maureen. And I'm, I'm realizing, you know, this HARP community, I kind of came to the HARP kicking and screaming, and it never, I never realized that this community would be such a powerful mm. and um, enriching and just deepening part of my life that's mm. and it really is yeah. it really is a community worldwide this huge community of people who want to express and want to hear each other express yeah thank you oh thank you um it, was there anything else that you i mean i know you have I your don't know what was on the list your sunday live on facebook oh yes yeah uh, right now i'm doing and right now every sunday i'm live on facebook and if you go to my blog post hip, which is at hipharp.com so my website is hip Hip as in cool, harp as in the instrument. If you go there, you should be able to sign up for reminders, or you can just, you know, join me on Facebook. So, yeah, the, the places, what do I have here on my list? Oh, yeah, Jazz for Harps, yep. that's coming up this summer, um, which is a really great class, Harp Time Live, where harpists can come, and um, that's free. You can hmm. come every Tuesday and Thursday during our lockdown, and they change at some point. Sundays, I'm live on Facebook. I'll be at Somerset. And, um, and for people who are not harpists, um, definitely go get on the list, you know, sign up, opt in for that, um, to be with me mm. on July 10th for and the virtual, the world virtual premiere of Invention and Alchemy. Excellent. And so the best place for people to find you is at Hip Harp? Hip Harp. Yeah, that's the okay. best place to go. Hipharp.com. And you can contact me on the contact page and you can, but but there's a lot of information there too. As well, if you go to the, to the events listing, mm. you'll see all the events there. Oh, good. And then on Instagram, you are yes. at... Hip that's heart, right. right. Instagram, Facebook, yeah. YouTube. And you've got your link tree on Instagram that people can yes, find all the links right. too. Yeah. So I'll, I'll I'll link to all that in the in the show notes too. So thanks, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. Thanks yeah. for being here with me. And and you know I I hope that you know I can't wait to see the premiere of you know I I have it on DVD. To, right. So but I can't wait to see it. You know. You know TV. what I will um I you know one of the things I was talking about with them today is we want to find people and this is a great opportunity we want to find people who either were at that show I mm. mean there were I think there were almost 
eight or nine thousand people who actually were there. I think mm. I could be wrong. I don't remember, but that you know, it was a full house. It was a big theater. Yeah. And then there are all the people who got the DVDs, and I want to talk to them and interview them so that they can say, you know, tell me like, you know, what do you remember from it? Mm. You know, what was what? So I'm going to interview you. Yeah, I'm going to interview you next. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks for listening to Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast. Dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. 